0: from Jerry. And and last week we looked at chapter one. There are four chapters in Jonah. Um, Today we're looking at chapters two and three, but I'm not going to have Jerry read chapter two. I'm going to let him hold off on that. I want to talk a little bit more about that in the message. And he's going to skip right over to chapter three. So chapter one, last week, Jonah gets called, runs from God, gets on a boat, gets thrown in the water. Last thing we hear, he ends up in the belly of a whale. And in chapter three, we find out what happens when he gets a second chance. Jerry?
1: third chapter of jonah let us hear the words of our lord the word of the lord came to jonah a second time saying get up and go to nineveh that great city and proclaim it proclaim to it the message that i tell you so jonah set out and went to nineveh according to the word of the lord now nineveh was an exceedingly large city a three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock, shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it the word of God for the people of God
0: join with me in prayer great and loving God we give you thanks for this amazing story that we you were amused by as children and now are confronted by as adults help us to hear its truth help us to be its truth May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and minds, guide us in the path into the places and people you need us to go. In your name and by your grace we pray. Amen. You are called. You are called by God. And you are called by God for specific moments, people, and action. That's true for us all. One thing I've come to discover in life is that every person is called. Now, each one of us has a unique call story. They don't all happen the same way because we're unique and God speaks to us uniquely. But call stories have common themes. And here they are very quickly. One, God initiates the call. The timing of the call some receive it as an early, early in their life as a child. I received mine as a teenager. Some in their 60s discover what God is calling them to do, what, what it is that God has placed upon their hearts and placed in their hands. And the call can be radically different. Some people hear voices. Some people feel an overwhelming sense of power. Some receive the call in prayer. Some in distress. The call comes in many different ways because God's initiating the call. It's not your call. God is the one who determines when it happens and why it's coming to you. It's going to be different for you than it is for me because it's your call, it's not mine. Secondly, your call is not about you. It's bigger than you. That's why sometimes when the call comes upon you, our first response is, this can't possibly be true. It doesn't make sense. It wasn't in my plan. Well, guess what? It's not about you. It's about what God sees in you, about what God has prepared for you, about where God is prepared to take you. And so it may not seem at ought to make sense to you. And there are times when living out our call, we get frustrated because we want it to work a particular way. We want to be able to do this or that. But again, it's not about you or me. And so many other things might occur. As we respond to the call, the call may use the gifts that you naturally have. People will say, oh, I'm not surprised to see that you're called for that. And other people will say, I can't believe God called you for that. Because God sees something that most of the rest of us can't see and may create within you that which does not exist today for the fulfillment of the call. And what is common to all call stories It's the fulfilling of your call, the answering of your call, the living out of your call is the place where you find the deepest sense of peace, even in the midst of conflict. The living out of your call is where you discover what the term abundant life really means, even in days of want. And when you answer your call, it is when you discover new life can begin literally at any age. Conversely, ignoring or rejecting your call from God means simply this. Your life's going to stink. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. See, the last verse we read last week was from chapter 1. It said Jonah was, and I'll read it to you specifically, Jonah was cast off into the ocean and there swallowed up into the belly of a great fish. I want you to capture that image swallowed up in the belly of a great fish. We oftentimes call that a whale. I want you to understand what it might look like to be in the belly of a whale. Now, the fact is most of us remember that from the story. That's the thing that captivated our attention when we were children and for sure, it. Jonathan, the belly of a whale. Wow, is that cool. And some of the folks from the 9 o'clock service were reminding me uh, of pictures they've seen of Jonah in the belly of the whale sitting on a camp stove with a nice little campfire burning, thinking his thoughts. Guess what? That's not how it was. And I want to tell you that this was the thing that challenged me the most yesterday. I was really working at this section of the sermon because what I wanted to do was to come in right now and hold up a fish for you and gut it so I could show you the stomach of a fish. And I even went to Kroger, but you know they don't have whole fish for sale at Kroger. So you were spared. So instead I brought you this picture. Don't you wish I had the real thing in front of you now? Well, anyway, this is a picture of a trout. I have no idea where it came from, but this, this little straw here on the right is pointing to, to, the, to the stomach. I want you to put yourself in there. Yeah. Exactly. And I want you to imagine, of course, it's a much bigger fish, uh, but still, it's the belly of the fish. And so, how's, how's it in there for you? How do you like it being in there? I mean, the other thing I told Sharon Thomas is in this point of the sermon, you remember Nickelodeon where they used to have the green slime drop down on people? I just want slime dropping down on you right here. I mean, I get a lot of these visualizations I can never pull off but I thought it'd be really cool because then you'd be sitting in slime for the whole service and you'd be thinking about what it is to be in the belly of a whale. Well, you're sitting in slime and goo and gunk. It's tight. You're constricted. It's dark. Guess what? It stinks bad. And you are not in control of anything. You don't know which end you're going to come out. right? And you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know where you're going because you're not in control of that. Think about that. Now, here's here's my suggestion to you. You know what that's like. Some of you in this room have been in the belly, haven't you? You've been in the place that stinks. You've been in the place where you are not in control of any part of your life. You've been in the place where you feel so trapped, so suffocated that you, there's nothing That could be worse. Stinks. That's where Jonah was. And if you've ever been there, then maybe your experience is like Jonah's and mine. When you've been in that place, it doesn't take long. The only thing left for you to do is to pray. I mean, people who don't even know that there's a God when they're living in the belly of a fish and when they're living in the place where life stinks, may eventually get to the moment where they say, God, get me out of here. Now, all of chapter 2 is a prayer that Jonah prayed in the belly of a whale. But here's what I'm suggesting. I bet you didn't know that. I bet when you think of Jonah, you haven't been thinking about this deep prayer he prays in the belly of a whale. You just captivated that he's in the belly. What Jonah is here to teach us is that when we are in the place where life stinks... That is exactly the place that can become a powerful place for prayer and to experience God. When your life stinks, you may actually be entering into the most sacred chapel you'll ever be in. We often think, all oh, the places of prayer have to be pretty and beautiful and speak to us so powerfully. People over the years have come up to me with great passion, want to make sure they tell me, Pastor Rick, I don't really experience God in church. I experience God in, and then they talk about all these places where they get to go to. They travel better than I do. Oh, I experience God out in the woods. I experience God on the lake. I experience God in the mountains. I experience God at the cabin up north. All these places. I've had nobody come up to me and say, oh, Pastor Rick, I don't come to church because I find God better when my life stinks. But I'm here to tell you that it's often a place where you can find God, and it's what happened to Jonah. See, when life stinks, it's not over. It may just be beginning, and it may be the beginning of what really becomes the place where you find your true meaning because it's the time for you to accept a call of deliverance, of hope, and maybe even new life upon you. That's what happens in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, in the middle of this powerful prayer that clearly he wrote after the fact, because in the prayer he already talks about being delivered. So he's remembering the prayer. But in that prayer, in chapter 2, he's talking about, God, I, You know, you're, it was terrible there, and you delivered me. And then you get to chapter 3. And Jonah gets thrown up on the beach. Now, let's just to be clear, to keep the metaphor going here, the fish does not take Jonah and throw him up on the beach. Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is puke. All right? So Jonah is puked out of this terrible place, and he's now sitting here in the gunk and goo on the beach. And the God he's been praying to comes back to him a second time what it says. I mean, there's nothing about, oh, get cleaned up, Jonah, and and I'll come talk to you. No. He's sitting there in the gunk and goo, and the scripture says very clearly these words, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You see, God doesn't need you to be cleaned up. God doesn't need you to have the stink off of you. God isn't waiting for you to get ready. God is initiating the call, remember? It's not about you, remember? God is coming back to Jonah a second time and would have come back a third time and a fourth time. And there are those of us in this room who had stinking lives and God has been coming back to us over and over and over again because that's the nature of God. God will continue to hound you. And if you've got a call in your life, Go ahead and run from it. I give you permission. Run as far as you can. Hide wherever you want to hide. Go ahead. (laughs) And try to find a place where God won't find you. Try to find a place where God's call somehow won't matter anymore. God comes back. Because that's the nature of this God. When life stinks, God comes back again for the second, third, fourth, fifth time. And the word comes to Jonah again. And then, what's really important about this next moment is, so he goes, all right, I'm not doing that again. All right, I'll go to Nineveh. So he goes to Nineveh, called to go preach the word, to deliver this people. And he walks into this massive city and walks through the streets with this anemic, no passion behind it, don't really care about you sermon. Boiled down to, you know, if you don't straighten up, God's going to get you all. And he says that several times. And to his shock and somewhat disgust, God takes this anemic, still a little stinky preacher and transforms the entire city. Because, get this, it's not about you, right? Your call is not about you. It says the people listened to uh, to Jonah and they believed who? God. They didn't believe Jonah. It wasn't about Jonah. It was about God. God. See, God's coming back to them again, too. And they finally got it through this Jonah guy. It's as shocking as maybe some of you sometimes get something from this Rick guy. It's not about me or Jonah. It's about what God is going to do. And the whole city repents and comes back to God. It is an amazing thing when you are willing to do what God has called you to do. Because then what can happen are things that really make no sense in this world because they're not of this world. Because they're not ultimately reliant upon your skill set, your abilities, your charm. It's all about God. And you get to be the one who walks with the God who has called you and comes back to you again. It's the truth. It's the truth of our life. It's the truth I share with you. You see, the story of Jonah is not about a whale. It's about a call from God. And it's about the stench that comes from calls when they are ignored. It is about a God who will never abandon us even when we run from God and deny God and play hide-and-seek like God as if we're like a two-year-old standing in the middle of the living room playing hide-and-seek, covering our eyes thinking God can't find us. It's about what happens, though, when calls are fulfilled. The amazing and unexpected become the norm because it's not about you. Now, I'm going to take just a second. I want you to listen in. It's about you. But I want to talk to the graduates just for a second. So to the class of 2013, I want to tell you this. This is something I know to be true. Your life's going to stink. It's amazing I don't get invited to more commencement sermons. That's a show. No, but it's true. And I'm supposed to tell you, oh, it's going to be great, and you're going to be out there, you're going to conquer the world. And, and the truth is, you know, you guys are pretty gifted, and you're probably going to have great moments of life, no question about it. But I want to be one to tell you today, there are going to be moments of your life that's just going to stink. You're going to find yourself in places that you did not expect to find yourself in. You had a dream to do this, and you're doing this. You thought you'd be going here, you're here. You thought this was going to work out, it doesn't. There are going to be moments in your life's going to stink. I'm just telling you it's true. And when it happens, and when you find yourself in a stinking mess of your own doing, you didn't have to be in it, but you put yourself there because of decisions you made. When you find yourself there, hear this from Jonah. It may be the place where God is going to finally turn you around. It may be the place of the best prayer life you've ever had in your life. It may be the place where you finally discover a call that you didn't know existed until that moment or maybe it's been nagging in you even right now but you're not ready to say yes to it. Your life's going to stink. For those of us in the church of Jesus Christ, we say, well, then come stink with us. Right? Because we've been there, right? We know what it is to be there and to feel overwhelmed and to be claustrophobic and the fears and the terror and the lack of knowing around us and the stench that we just can't seem to get away from. And we begin to discover that it's in those places, it's in those moments, that God just keeps coming back to us when no one else will. After the first service, a friend of mine came up to me and talked to me about a story that I know well because I've walked with her part of it. Talked to me about her life stinking so bad. She said, I had a couch in my living room. And over a four-year period, I had to reupholster it twice. Because I kept sitting in the same place and using my arm to keep drinking the drinking I was doing. And to wear out the fabric. Wore out my life. I wore out the relationships around me. Until finally one day, God's call came upon her. And it finally got her to understand It's time to get out of the stench. Today, she testifies what it is to be out of the stench. But she also then had to tell me the story about how she was immediately now in a relationship with someone else whose life was stinking and who knew enough to turn to her because they knew she knew what the stench smelled like and thought in her life they might find help. See, that's what happens. You're willing to allow people to understand that there are parts of your life that don't smell that great. Other people who are also in the same place may go, Well, maybe I can hang out with you. Maybe you can help me out. You see, that's what the church is called to be. The church should be a stinking place (laughs) a bunch of stinky people who just come together because we found something more amazing than the stench around us that's the love and grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. And He's the one who pulls us out. It's been happening. You know, And even as your life unfolds, for all of you, I'm going to pray this. If your life doesn't stink, if right now your life is actually smelling pretty good, then I pray that God is placing in you a spiritual olfactory sense to discover the places in the world where it stinks. God's placing with you a smeller and a heart and a mind that's willing to pay attention to the places in the world where the stench of injustice, the stench of hunger, the stench of abuse, the stench of addiction, the stench of spiritual isolation, the stench of loneliness will draw you to those people. See, most of us, when we start to smell that kind of stink, want to me to get away. I don't want to smell that. But that's not the kind of God we have. It's not the kind of people we're called to be. God smelled the stink and said, I'm getting Jonah out of there. So church, are you called? The answer in my mind is yes, but I don't know to what. That's between you and God. Does your life stink? I don't know. But if it does, Take it as a sign of hope. And may this place become a place so filled up with the stench of wives that have been redeemed by the love and power of Jesus Christ that the smell wafts out. And others get to understand, maybe I can go there to figure out how to get puked into a new life.